from the big screen to the small screen and everything in between. This is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another very special bonus episode of the Screeners. Tonight, it is just me and your good friend... Daniel. Daniel. There he is. We have decided at, here at the Screeners Podcast in an effort to constantly put out new content for you guys that we're going to do our best to review each new uh, feature that comes out each week that we feel like warrants a, a review. And so what that means for you at home is that every other week we'll have a full episode with the full Screeners crew and then whoever can see the movies in between will join us for these bonus episodes. So tonight it's just me and Daniel again. Last time we talked about Kong and we talked about Get Out. And we like the format of that. Uh, that got me in a really good mood because we got to discuss two, one really good movie. <laughs> but two really great movies. Two really great and, and movies. And one that was fun. You, Chris, I don't know how many of you saw at home, if you'll follow us on our Facebook page. Chris was so distraught that he was not able to make our bonus episode recording that he had a video reply to it. Did you get a chance to watch that, Daniel? Yes, that was great. I thought it was going to be a little more uh, of a fight starter than it was. He, he, he pretty much just uh, agreed with, with what we had to say about Kong. Yes, I think he pretty much agreed with what you had to say about comics. Oh, yes, so don't that's pull what me I down should say. That. Yeah, yes. you're right. I did, I did uh, comment on Facebook. I, I loved the way he start, started his review. All great reviews start with, first of all, Daniel was right. So uh, <laughs> that was a great start. And you know, it's because you never hear that, and so it was like a new experience for you. Is that what you're no, saying? No, no, I hear it all the time. Oh, all I, the time. It, it's getting a little old. I got it, I got it. Well, Chris definitely, to no one's surprise, was a big fan of Kong, as was Daniel. And hey, I I'm not hating on it. I liked it a lot, too. Just maybe not as much as Chris and Chris Jr. over there. But in any case, we're very excited tonight to talk about a new feature from director Daniel Espinoza, and that film is Life. No man can fully grasp how far and how fast we have come. That's it. The mission's primary goal has been achieved. We're looking at a large single cell, biological. I'd hate to jump the gun, but I think it's time. We're looking at the first proof of life beyond Earth. You finally a daddy. It's going to be a big custody battle over this one. <laughs> the IMDb description is as follows. A team of scientists aboard the International Space Station. It says the International Space Station <laughs> without giving it a name. Okay, IMDb, you win. No, that, gonna... Wait, that's, that's the name of it. Is it really? The ISS. Yeah, the ISS. Oh, see. This movie has made <laughs> such an impact on me wait, that I remember that. You need to that. leave this in. You need to leave this in. <laughs> I will leave it in. Okay. My apologies. My apologies, screenwriters. Here we go. A team of scientists aboard the International Space Station discover a rapidly evolving life form that caused extinction on Mars. Hello, spoiler alert. And now threatens the crew and all life on Earth. Okay. So with that, Daniel, we don't know what each other thinks about this movie. We try yeah. in general to not read each other's social medias before we do a review or to find out what we think. Yeah, I always post my reviews on my Facebook. You can you can look me up. That's a nice little plug for my social media. You can find my reviews early and get ahead of the game. But Chad never does this. And this is the type of movie I have no idea what Chad thought of this movie I could see this going any which way. I could see you hating it. Uh -huh. I could see you loving it. Uh -huh. I'm so curious right now. 
That's very interesting because I this is the kind of movie that I think you will love it. <laughs> Just Wait, based what on what kind of movie? What kind of movie will I not love? Yeah, and I very, was going to say, and that's primarily because it's few. a movie. Let's do this, Daniel. Uh, I will start with you, and and what I will do is a lot of people are calling this kind of an alien homage, and in some of the more harsh critics might be calling it a, a knockoff. But so what we'll do with tonight is before I a- actually ask you what you thought about the movie, I'm going to guess if you if I think you did like the movie, and then we can play that game with me. All right? Okay, all right. So I am going to guess you freaking love this movie. Now, I have no idea, <laughs> but I really do think that this is probably the kind of movie... And, and I'll tell you where this is coming from. For me, it's because you think Gravity should have won the best picture <laughs> that year. And this movie, in some ways, reminds me a little bit of the feeling in Gravity. So I'm going to guess. I'm just going to take a step out there and say that you loved it. So, Daniel, tell me, am I right or wrong? Did you love or did you reject life? I have notes written down. I always write my notes so I so I don't screw up my words and it doesn't always work. But in my notes, I have a, a part of a sentence is, Lots of it felt really similar to Gravity. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that down. So I wouldn't say freaking loved, but I liked a lot. I liked this movie quite a lot. So, yeah, I'll be brief with my overall review before we get to you. Um, It's been said that I love things. That's true. And, uh, yeah, I I like this movie quite a lot. Uh, But first, let me start. Uh, what a terrible name for a movie. Can we just can we touch on this for for a minute? Agreed. Life. What an awful, boring forgettable name but nevertheless i just wanted to throw that in there i I thought the movie was really fun decently scary there's a lot of problems with it Uh, that's i feel like that's where you're gonna i i think chad (laughs) i think you're gonna acknowledge that there's some good stuff here but you're gonna rely too much on the problems so i i I don't deny that there are lots of problems with with this movie there are very obvious comparisons you might you can say comparisons or you could say ripoffs of Alien um, and Gravity, uh, lots of lots of similarities to a lot of other movies. Right, but uh, and it's inferior to those movies. But it's a lot of fun overall. I think it's scary enough to keep you interested. But it's very well made and well acted for the most part. So yeah, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. So yeah, that's where I think you lie, Chad. I think you, <laughs> uh, I think you will not hate this movie, okay. but just slightly dislike it. Slightly dislike it. Am I right or wrong? I'm going to say you are right. (laughs) All right. Nice. And maybe, and and actually, let me back up. Slightly dislike may be a little more negative than I am. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, so here's the thing. Number one, this cast is off the charts. I don't know. This is clearly, in my opinion, a B movie concept executed with a caliber acting and and finish so i mean you've That's got right i mean you've got ryan reynolds rebecca ferguson jake gyllenhaal hiroyuki sanada and it's just loaded with fantastic actors in this very confined alien attack survival kind of thing i think for me the most frustrating part about this entire experience was i'm going to disagree with you just a little and say, for me, it was too safe and too down the middle in a couple of areas to be as effective as it could have been. And what I mean by that is, it was a little bit scary, but it wasn't scary enough. 
It was a little bit tense in some of the more dramatic scenes when things are happening, and we'll get into that with spoilers, but I don't think it was tense enough. Uh, it was a little bit smart in the way that it was constructed and written, but not quite smart enough, which leads yeah. me to say that the overall experience was, wow, super close to being something uh, not remarkable, but certainly something worthy of its existence. And it came in just a little bit below that. And in part of that, it is definitely helped by the performances of these actors. I thought the performance by Ryan Reynolds was great. Jake Gyllenhaal was great. They, they always are. Rebecca Ferguson. There's some things that happened. You know, honestly, for the first 30 minutes, maybe 35 minutes, I was pretty much on board with this. I, I was, I thought I was going to really like it. And then the longer, and it's not a long movie. I think it's about an hour and 40 minutes or so. But the longer that it went, the the less and less I was, uh, the less it had me in its grip. It became a little bit predictable, a little bit ridiculous. It just didn't land for me as strongly as it could have. Overall, Daniel, I think you were right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you're totally right. I think um, part of the reason I, I felt it was scarier than, than you, well, for one, you're a horror junkie and I'm not. So that's, that's, that's part fair. of it. The other part is that I watched this with... Did you watch this by yourself, I'm guessing? I did, yes. Yeah, I watched this with my wife, and she was freaking out. <laughs> so um, so that probably made me feel like it was a little bit scarier than it was. Sure. Um, You're like, why so, do I have this pain in my arm? My circulation's been cut off. <laughs> so that was part of it. But, um, but I totally agree. As it went on, it got a little more ridiculous than I would have wanted it to. Right. Um, that's part of the reason I loved it so much at the beginning, uh, was that... And I think that's where the idea, the whole idea of this movie came from, is that this was what if, for real, we discovered alien life, like really, sure. yeah. you know, it's gonna be cells or bacteria, and that's where this starts from, and that's an awesome idea. Agreed. But then it it got a little more unrealistic as the as the the thing went on, um, it got a little more classic alien movie tropes and so that was a bit disappointing i totally agree with you there but uh for me overall uh, i acknowledge the problems but you know uh i thought it was i thought it was decently interesting i have i definitely have some stuff to say in spoilers yeah and we'll definitely get into spoilers and talk about some things you know one of the things that uh, the first part of this movie that i liked is that i have a checklist a mental checklist not that i have on purpose but it's just kind of subconsciously there where i'm always and most people do this i think is that what I would do kind of thing? You know, if I were a scientist, would I do that, et cetera? Mm -hmm. And I think the first first 30 minutes of this movie, they were doing all of those things. And then as the life uh, begins to, without giving anything away, as it begins to evolve and things begin to happen, that list became unchecked and they started doing things that didn't make any sense. And that's any time for me, I, I'm, I guess I'm not a middle-of-the-road kind of guy when it comes to these kinds of movies. I like you to commit one way or the other. And so when it goes from essentially science fiction into horror yeah. or horror thriller, I think you have to go all the way there. Meaning if you're going to get into the absurd, let's get into the absurd. But if you just tip your toe and dip your toe in the water and you don't fully commit, then what happens here is that characters start doing things that aren't consistent with what their character has done in the first part of the movie. And it's not done in a way where it's like the arc is, well, they're so scared they just made a mistake. They just start acting in ways that the, the writer or the director need them to to advance the plot. And so that's for the last third of this movie. For me, that's where it left me just a little bit. Now, I don't want to come across too negatively, although this movie I think is currently – I think it is 
rotten or maybe just barely fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like at a yeah, it's actually at sixty six percent. So that that's kind of middle of the road. That's that's just barely fresh, right? Um, which is uh, you know I think that's fairly accurate. I guess yeah. And this is the kind of movie, very much like what you said. I can see why people would like this movie, and I can also see why they would absolutely not like it. One thing I do want to say before we give our recommendations is that this really is a a beautiful movie, I think. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see that the budget was about $55, $60 million. I would have guessed much higher. What did you think about the look? Yeah, I, I, I was surprised at that, too. I thought uh, I thought the effects were really well done overall. I can't, nothing stands out in my mind uh, as a bad effect. Yeah, I thought it looked really good. Yeah, it does. So, Daniel, what would you say to uh, people trying to decide if they should see this? Is this a see it in the theater, a rental, or a skip it? I think uh, I think you should see it in the theater. Uh, I wouldn't say rush out, but if if you're intrigued by the trailer for this, then you should definitely watch it. It's it's a uh, it's a worthwhile experience, and I think you'll probably it won't be as enjoyable when you're watching it at home. If if you're gonna be distracted by your iPhone or or kids or anything like that, you're you're gonna lose a little bit of it. And it's already it's not an amazing movie, uh, but I, I like it a lot. So I'd say if you're gonna see it, see it in theaters. And I would say, you know, with the caveat that I think you should see everything in a theater just to support the cinema. But even though this is a movie that will lose a little bit if you watch it at home. I'm going to have to go with my convictions here and say that this is more of a rental than it is a must-see in the cinema just from the quality of, of film. Uh, and again, it's not bad. It's certainly not poorly made. It's just not enough of anything one way or the other to make you really care about it, or at least it wasn't for me, I should say. With that, let's move into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got him? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there and all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. All right, Daniel. So it seems that both of us seem to enjoy the first part of this movie, maybe a little bit more than the back half, especially me. So the opening shot of this movie starts with a, a satellite out of control. And we hear the sound design, actually, sound design is actually really very good here. We're hearing all these pieces of debris and rock hitting this satellite that seems to be flying through space completely out of control. We then go into the interior of the International Space Station, and we see that there are essentially a crew. We don't know yet, but there are six of them, and they are doing their best to try and catch this out-of-control probe that we eventually learn carries a life form from Mars, a single-celled, or at least they think, single-celled organism from Mars. Now, we don't get any context or backstory, but the first five or ten minutes are really about establishing those characters, uh, at which point Ryan Ryan Reynolds' character, he's already established as kind of the wild card, and he's out in his space suit, and he's... Which, played by Ryan Reynolds, oh my gosh, what a stretch for his character, my (laughs) lord. Right. That's, That's my biggest complaint from the first half of this movie, is it's a it's just Ryan Reynolds being himself 
again. Right. It's really I'm 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 over it. I'm off the Ryan Reynolds Ooh, train. Daniel, I'm, little Ryan Reynolds hates. So we'll get to we'll get to where that hate led me in this movie in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, the thing is when you're as good as Ryan Reynolds at that kind of character and you can put his face on a poster, it probably helps box office. So I'm sure that's what they were thinking. But in a typical Ryan Reynolds role, he is the wise cracking but super smart pilot guy who's not afraid to break the rules to try and do this thing so he goes out and the whole point is for him to operate this arm and catch this satellite at the ISS as it goes by so that they can hopefully save this specimen that they have found from Mars yeah the the, the from the opening shot uh, obviously going in everybody's talking about how oh it's just alien again it's just alien well the opening shot i immediately was like gravity and right. that continued the whole time. I didn't expect it to be as similar to Gravity as it was. And it was just right off the bat. The whole, probably the first five minutes was very similar to Gravity. No doubt about it. So in typical Ryan Reynolds fashion, he saves the day. And he, even though it's never been done before, <laughs> you know, kind of thing with the space arm, he uh, he grabs it. And it looks ridiculous because it it's like if anything was going that fast and you catch it, it would rip that entire space station yeah, apart. But yeah. whatever, whatever. So he catches it, and sure enough, they bring it in, and they have the soil sample from Mars. And the biologist, uh, British biologist, Hugh Derry, is able to revive the dormant organism by trying different things. They take it and put it in what looks like a glorified incubator, and he begins uh, adjusting the atmospheric pressure and glucose to try and wake it up. In a very interesting sequence, all the stuff up to this point, to me, has been played very straight, uh, yeah. except for the you know the Ryan Reynolds kind of cowboy guy. Um, it's been played very straight, and it's interesting because you're intrigued. This is the first time we've ever identified any life, uh, you know, in space. Yeah. And so he he has success and wakes up this um, creature and realizes as it grows right before his eyes into a multi-celled organism that does react to stimuli. So the crew at this point obviously is freaking out they call earth which i thought this was really actually cool because this is what would happen we have yeah, this sequence totally. where every it's the biggest story on the planet it cuts to news features with a little girl on times square they do like an interior montage where the crew is going about their daily routine and they're talking like with some kind of today show kind of deal and, and this so, is what the movie does really well. The movie nails this real world stuff very, very well. I feel like if they had taken a little bit more of a dramatic spin as as opposed to horror, I think this they would have knocked it out of the park. Because this whole the whole first half hour is really excellent. I can absolutely agree with that. Um, to the position of this creature, from his perspective or its perspective, I should say, it is. Everything is fine at the beginning, and then all of a sudden the pressure changes, and he has to change himself to be able or itself to be able to survive. Yeah, like I said, it's it's a really good setup. You're really invested to see how is this thing going to evolve? How because you know the outcome, so how is it going to explode from here? And so yeah, I thought they nailed that setup. They really did. And so what happens is in a desperate attempt to try and uh, wake up or reanimate the cell, Hugh Derry, who's the biologist played by uh, Arian Bakari, decides to shock it to try and get it. Now, a low-voltage shock, 
but in a scene where we all know what's going to happen. And and I have to say, knowing what's going to happen is not necessarily a bad thing because it allows the filmmakers to create a sense of dread and tension that can be very effective. And in this case, I think it was. Up to this point, uh, Hugh Derry's character has had a very friendly interaction with this uh, cell as it begins to evolve and grow. It wraps around his finger, and it uh, seems to be a very mutually friendly kind of exchange until he had to go into hibernation to protect himself. So now in his effort to wake up this creature, he begins to shock it until... It in a very very effective scene, it reaches up and it wraps itself around like a snake, almost like a python, and snaps the instrument with which he was being shocked or it was being shocked. And so at that moment, it then they try to stay calm. All of the rest of the crew is watching. Uh, he's in a locked off lab. They're very worried about their protocols. That was excellent. <clears throat> that, uh, everybody freaking out. Uh, like you said earlier, the, the performances in this movie are really strong. And and right here is where it really sells it. Because it, even even Ryan Reynolds, uh, I'll hop, hop back on the train for just a second. Because uh, everybody freaking out here feels really intense and really real as they're locked away from, from the, the biologist and can't get to him and they have to try to figure out what to do. Really intense. It is very intense, and it's also they have in place firewalls, uh, protocol for different levels, one, two, and three, for when they're allowed to interact, as you would if you were going to bring alien life form to Earth because you have to worry about contamination and all kinds of unknowns. So in this scenario, they have to just sit and watch as Hugh Derry's character tries to navigate freeing himself from the creature. We immediately learn that the creature is smart, as it devises a way to break out of this entire scenario, it crushes his hand. And at this point, Ryan Reynolds jumps in. And what I think, and, and honestly, I think this scene is the most effective scene in the entire movie, if I'm being honest. He jumps in, and all of the other engineers and the doctors are giving him direction on how to try and fight this off and what he can use to fight him off. And while he's doing that, he's trying to, I should say, he, he comes in and he pulls the biologist out and then he is locked in because now he's in quarantine. And so it's just a very, very excellently uh, designed sequence where you feel for the character. You know they have no other choice. Uh, it's it's intense. You don't know what's going to happen. And then in my opinion, what happens is we, unfortunately for Ryan Reynolds' character, which you normally wouldn't think a character of his stature would go first, but the creature throws itself into his mouth, and in yeah. a very effective sequence, the blood, which is weightless because there's no gravity, begins to come out of his mouth and his nose, and they do a shot, a long shot on his face for like, I want to say 20 or 30 seconds. It was an uncomfortable amount of time where he's just vomiting the blood. It's very effective. Then it, yeah. then it cuts to a reverse where you see him floating, and his character it- dies. And that was, I totally agree with you, one of the most effective parts of this entire movie. Because uh, like you said, what a shock. I mean, he was in all of the marketing. I mean, it was very uh, clear that he's a main character here. And he died, I mean, how many minutes into the movie do you think this uh, is? Maybe, 20? Yeah, 15, 20, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is early. And so that was really smart. They pulled a pulled a Drew Barrymore and Scream type yeah. of thing. And, yeah. Um, so I thought that was excellent. And then also, I promise you, um, I was annoyed early on in the movie 
uh, about how snarky Ryan Reynolds was. I was so annoyed. And I was like, I don't know if I can take an entire movie with more snarky Ryan Reynolds. And then they're like, yeah, no, it's okay. We'll just kill him off. No problem. So I was very happy when that happened. Yeah, and I thought that was a good move, too. So to advance the plot here, for me, this is the turning point where the movie began to be less interesting and less effective. So they have they are trying to in a last ditch effort to quarantine this creature which has already begun to grow in size right before their eyes and it and we should talk about the creature here too daniel it's a very interesting creature design it looks kind of like a combination of a plant and as well as a translucent kind of creature from the movie at the end of the abyss maybe i don't know i mean what did you think uh, of the creature design I like the creature design at first because what it looks like to me is a big group of cells. You know what I mean? Like it looks like big, like micro organism. And so I love that at first, but then they gave it a face and that's where it lost me. I thought it it was, it felt so much more real. It didn't feel like a, a movie creature. It felt more realistic. And then they gave it a face and it was like, okay, this is just another alien from another alien movie so uh yeah i don't know i liked it at first and then it lost me right and i actually liked the face only i didn't like it from a conceptual standpoint i agree with you there but i but it looked cool <laughs> i mean it looked, kind of, it looked very mean it did um, but yes i agree i agree so at this point they try to ca- capture the creature in the lab it escapes through a vent they they don't know where this creature is at this point other than it could be anywhere which is which is okay which is a good way to kind of set up that the jaws effect where it can bounce out at any time from any place so at the end of this at the end of this failed attempt to lock the creature away we now find out that communication has been cut off from earth and so they are unable to tell the people back at home that they are dealing with a malevolent creature so mission commander Katarina Golovinka who is played by Olga Diovachnya I think for nice. the pronunciation I gave it a bet the old college try she decides to go on a spacewalk uh, in a suit to try and, and repair their antenna. Now, here is where the movie began to jump the shark for me a little bit. So she goes out, and she opens this uh, canister to try and repair the antenna for the communications, and Calvin jumps out and attaches itself to her, wraps around her in what I think is supposed to be an emotional kind of sacrificial move she begins to make her set her way back to the airlock while the creature is on her and it has a really cool effect because the liquid in her um, in her suit begins to fill up her helmet where it's going to drown her in her suit and the way that they shoot that from a pov inside this inside the helmet and all this stuff is really very cool and effective uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, who is the doctor, is uh, doing his best to get her back into the ship. She makes it all the way back to the airlock, and then as Jake Gyllenhaal tries to let her in, she stops him from opening the airlock so that she can give herself up and not contaminate the crew. Is that right, Daniel? Yeah, I like that scene. I'm, I'm curious why you I didn't like, like it. Scene. I like that scene, too. So here's my problem. If she's going to give herself up for the crew and not contaminate the crew, then why in the world would she try so di- so hard to get all the way back to the airlock only to not <laughs> let him open it? If she wanted to sa- to sacrifice herself, which would have been the noble and right thing to do, she would have grabbed onto that creature and kicked off into deep space, and the movie's over. Now, that's well, yeah, why but- they didn't do it, but... 
come on yeah, now, I, Daniel. Let's give her some credit though, on, because Daniel. at first, at first, she's not she's not from the get go. If she's if you're being attacked, the first thing that pops in your head isn't let me sacrifice myself for my friends. The first thing she's thinking of is I, I gotta survive, and so she's trying to make her Agreed. way back, Agreed. and then. She start as she's trying to open the door and she's struggling. She has more time to think about things. No, and she's already struggling as is. I, I'm so going to give you that, but you're giving the movie and this character way too much credit <laughs> because on. it was like a two minute sequence from when she was first attacked. Because they're, ha- they're having conversations about it. The second that she knows, and she knows, I mean, when her helmet is full, it's over. It's game over. Right. Right. She pushes off into space. But she doesn't. That's fine. She goes right up to the door because the creature has to be able to get back. I get it. But at that point, I was like, oh, man, that's the – and then we're just – you know, we're giving our honest reactions. That's the first time where I was like, oh, man, that's (laughs) that's just a movie contrivance. And so anyway, long story short, she does die. And as she begins to float away from the space station, the creature jumps back onto the ship and then gets back into the vents. And so now they're trying to formulate a plan because at this point there are only four remaining – uh, crew people, one who is, uh, who is injured, the biologist, and the plan is to try and seal themselves into a single module and vent the atmosphere from the rest of the station. Because one of the things that I did like about this is that they established that this creature needs oxygen to breathe. It, it adds an element of equality so it's not so physically superior that they just have no chance mm-hmm. against it. So they begin to try and seal it off when all of the sudden... Uh, the biologist has a cardiac arrest, and as they go down to try and give him CPR, we notice that his pants have been moving. They cut open his suit, and we see that the, that Calvin has attached himself to a Hugh's leg uh, and had been feeding off of him, and as a result has grown much, much larger, and he and, begins to attack the remainder of the crew. And we actually, the reason he didn't realize he was being attacked, I thought was really clever, uh, the way they, they kind of illustrated this is... He is paralyzed. Uh, we don't. I don't He's think we know paraplegic. why. Yeah. Yeah. And so he. So his legs are, you know, kind of shrunken from, you know, lack of use and all that. And so the, we don't even know this until a little bit way, a little bit into the film, because uh, everybody's in zero g. Everybody's floating around. You're not. You're not paying attention to. There's not a guy in a wheelchair. Right. Uh, so I thought that was a really clever reveal and a really awesome way of having the alien being attached to somebody for so long without anybody knowing. And I agree that and those are those those brief moments where you can tell that the people involved in this they're not phoning it in. It is smart in some ways just not consistently so. (laughs) Uh, At this point, Calvin attacks the rest of the crew. Sho Murakami, who is the engineer of the ship, played by uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, in a really great performance, someone whose wife is back home has just had a baby, and you're really pulling for this guy. He runs and gets into his sleep pod and closes it just at the last second as Calvin wraps himself around it, and you can hear the glass breaking, and you're just waiting on that moment for him to come crashing through the glass. And sound design, again, really well done there. But he can't, and so Calvin takes off the rest of the ship. And one thing that this this movie does really well all throughout, I'm curious what you think, is... It, it plays with gravity in a really interesting way. Not the movie, but the element. And uh, it, it, it spins around, kind of like, uh, it reminded me of the book, Ender's Game, where it just, um, it, it really 
there was no up, there was no down because it's all in space. And so the camera would spin around. Uh, one character would be sitting what would seem upright to the camera and then the camera would spin around, turn upside down and see another camera, see another character sitting upright as well. I thought it was really interesting the way it played with gravity. Did you notice that? I, I agree. And I think I think that it is, I'm going to give the director credit here and think that the disorientation was probably intentional. It almost was a critique for me that I didn't think they had established the layout of the ship interior clearly enough so that you could understand where people were going so that you understood the stakes when things were when they're trying to get away but i honestly think that part of that is also because they wanted to reemphasize the fact that there's no gravity i can't remember a movie that did so much with uh, the anti-gravity stuff in a way that was very visually interesting uh, and intriguing so what happens now is show is stuck uh, in his sleep chamber calvin has left we don't know where he is again but in a very 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 poorly written macguffin Thankfully, while he was feeding on the biologist's leg, he ingested a tracker. <laughs> I'll give and you that. So now we can magically track the creature because we need to in the plot so that we can build to the last act. I'm sure, you know, whatever. Daniel was like, that's okay. And I was like, <laughs> no, that I'll, is not okay. <laughs> I'll give you that one. That was pretty stupid. Pretty bad. So at this point now, they can actually track Calvin, and they have now received uh, an SOS call just prior to the damage uh, of ISS. And so Earth, at this point, because of the damage that's been happening, and we haven't talked about it because we're not trying to give a complete blow-by-blow here, but there's been a lot of damage to the ship. And so the ship is actually going towards Earth. Earth Control sends a capsule, and we see at this point, as a fail-safe. Now, from our characters' perspective, they think that this is a rescue attempt. So they are freaking out because they can't communicate to the people that they believe to be in this rescue not to board the ship. What we learn, however, though, is that this was actually a fail-safe plan that was put into place to push the ship back into deep space, sacrificing the crew so as not to contaminate Earth's atmosphere with the alien, which is actually, I think, really good because it then recontextualizes everybody's situation. So as soon as they learn that this, this ship comes from Earth, it docks with the ISS and then begins to push them back out into space. At this point, the whole thing is coming apart. The ship is, is shaking, etc. Uh, show in a, in a scenario that I actually liked, I did like it because at first he was like, as soon as Calvin left, he almost got out of his capsule. And I was like, nobody's getting out of that capsule. Nobody. <laughs> but he waited and he, and he only got out later when he left his pod because he thought that the ship that was coming from Earth was a rescue pod. So he gets out of his, he gets out of his capsule and he's trying to manually force open the hatch to enter the capsule. And as soon as he gets it open, Calvin attacks him. Uh, and the, the crew tries to save show, but at this point it's caused a breach and show dies. And now there are only two left. Uh, and this is when everything spirals back. It crashes into the ISS and it causes all of the temperature and oxygen levels to fall. And so David and Miranda, who are the only two survivors, they realize that it's also caused them to reenter a decaying orbit. All that to say, it just means it's going to culminate with them going back into the Earth's atmosphere, and they have not enough fuel, nothing that they can do, and they know that they're going to bring this creature to Earth, which then, up to this point, the movie does a very good job of kind of explaining the stakes, and so this was another thing, Daniel, I just have to say, after all of that, 
now they talk about the escape pods. I mean, they yeah. didn't want to lead yeah. with the escape pods. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, you could tell. You could tell that that was an idea that they had. They they were rethinking their third act, and somebody's like, "Ooh, what if they were escape pods?" But then they didn't think to add it into the rest of the rest of the script. It was it was definitely a, a, an afterthought. No doubt, because I don't know about you, but if I'm on there and this creature is in the vents and it's killing people, I'm leading with escape pods. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, we're pushing ISS into deep space and I'm getting back to Earth on my escape pod. Anyway, Jake Gyllenhaal's character at this point, who we, who we, who we must say, he has established, now it's a, it's a convention and so it's fine, but he's established early on in a sequence that he has been on this ship longer than anyone else on, on board the ISS. And he has this whole kind of I'm a severe introvert conversation with one of the other crew members, Miranda, saying, I would rather be here than with the 8 billion people on Earth, etc. And so his plan is that he's going to lure Calvin using these oxygen sticks. That's the best thing I can think of to call them. I mean, what would you call them? They're sticks yeah, are that, those real? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that was. I don't know that's a real thing, but it was like a stick that looked like a glow stick, except like the NASA version of a glow stick, and it emitted oxygen. And so because of the crash, what's happening now is the oxygen is going down throughout the entire ship. So the plan is that Hall's character is going to bait Calvin into an escape pod where he will then close him in and then pilot the escape pod to intentionally bounce off the atmosphere of the reentry point of the Earth out into deep space, and then the creature would be killed. And then he wants Miranda to take the remaining ship and actually make it back to Earth. Even though it was an afterthought, I like the I like the plan that they have going here. I, I like the way that they go to the ending here, um, but I think they go about it the wrong way. So so they take their... The, David's plan works. He gets the creature into the escape pod. Everything's going great. Miranda gets into her escape pod. And then debris, as they both launch off, debris starts hitting the pods. And so things start going out of control. And you're wondering, are they going to make their destination? Is is, is Miranda going to get to Earth? Is David going to take the alien to space and save, save the planet from this creature? What's going to happen? What I have a problem with, we see one of the pods enter Earth's atmosphere and land uh, in uh, in an ocean or a lake somewhere uh, in in Asia, right. and they have this whole buildup. I think the buildup is pretty good. Did you like that uh, that the buildup here? I did, and and when you get to when you finish your thought here, I want to talk specifically about this setup because I think there's some really smart things that they did, but they tipped their hand in one way, and I want to talk about it when you get to the end of your point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I have something to say about it too. So, so they, uh, like I said, lands in in a lake somewhere in Asia. So these fishermen come up to the to the pod, and we don't know who is in the pod. They're clearly hiding something. When when the fishermen get up, you see it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, his pod actually went to Earth. Miranda's went out into deep space, so she's gonna die. And now the alien is going to invade Earth, and the fishermen open the pod, and everybody's gonna die the end right um so what i have a problem with i I liked the twist because there were you know it it was a little it was a little bit obvious there were a couple ways they could have done it but i thought that was i thought that was okay but what i don't like is the way that they edited the whole sequence of the pods flying in their different directions i think the movie lied to us they didn't they didn't mislead us like a normal twist i think they actually lied to us so there's a whole sequence here 
where it shows it, it has a shot of David in his pod with the alien on him. He's piloting it. He's trying to pilot it into space. Okay, and then it cuts to a shot of just one of the pods, just one, and it's flying off into space. And then it cuts back to David. So that's not just misleading. That's the editing. That's editing telling us this is what's happening. It's David. Then it's David's pod flying out to space, right. not to Earth, and then it's back to David. So I, I thought that was a little bit cheap. You can mislead the audience. I think mis- the misleading version of, the, of that shot is showing two pods, and you have to guess which one is David's. Right. But they straight up lied to us. So I thought that was kind of stupid. They did, and although they did, they also did have the shot of the two pods together. Uh, they did. And they passed. They did. And I thought it was smart of them because what— what what they really want you to believe, obviously, is the inverse of what actually happens. And right. when they cut to the scene of Miranda and she does her last guide where she's recording herself and she says, I'm coming to Earth. If I die upon reentry, please know that these brave souls sacrificed everything and please tell their story well. And that was smart because that very clearly leads you to believe that she is okay and that she's in reentry. I agree with you about the about the editing, which I think was false and wasn't fair. But even bigger than that, if you're going to trick people legitimately, you cannot linger. You just cannot linger on a shot. And I don't want to geek out too technically here, but when the when the pod lands in the water and it does a reverse POV shot of the fisherman. It's very clear that they're obstructing the window, and it's also very clear that they are lingering on that door for about two seconds too long. So you automatically know that you know what's happening, and so it loses the impact. There's just the editing in general around the twist, I I think, betrays the audience. I I agree for the most part, but I think there were a couple options there. I wasn't sure... I, I think they went with the obvious thing. Obvious thing is just David's the, the the wrong pod made it to Earth. Right. But I thought there was a chance that it could be something else. Like I thought it was go- it could have been Miranda, and then the alien pops out. Like somehow the alien but got that the would, pod. That would make no sense. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't know. I thought unless I, it had a I baby, because it could. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I thought sure. there was going to be some other explanation. They went with the very obvious thing, so I agree. They definitely tipped their hand. You knew something, something was going to happen. Going to happen. And, but I do like the twist. Overall, I like the twist. It gives the ending of the movie some sort of surprise or suspense yeah. that wasn't uh, automatically there. I'm going to just say overall, you know, as we wrap this up, I think this movie is. It's beautifully shot. It has some really good ideas. Some of them it executes immaculately, and some of them not so much. And then it also is littered with really dumb things. I, I hate to reduce it to, to really dumb, but there are some really dumb things in here as well. And it's just that little smattering of things which stop me from fully embracing this movie. I think when it goes from science fiction to horror... It's really good at the science fiction. It's really mediocre at the horror. Or even if you wanted to call it thriller, I think you're always interested in what's going to happen, but I don't think you're ever really terrified, or I wasn't anyway. And so it's just one of those things where it was great setup, pretty good execution, equals... Okay, I don't begrudge anyone that likes this movie because there's a lot to like here. Uh, I just... It's just... It's one of those things, Daniel, for me, it's almost worse because it was so close to being really good sure. as opposed to just not. And 
coming off of this kind of murderer's row of good movies that we've had early in the year, I was hoping that this would also continue that trend. But for me, this is the first 2017 film that I've seen in the theater that feels like just a just a miss. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I definitely like it more than you do, but I, I can't really disagree with many of your uh, many of your complaints. I get it totally. So I think this movie does suffer from that not quite good enough. Like honestly, even though I like this movie a good amount, I'm I'm not really recommending it to anybody. I'm not like going around right. telling people about it like I did with Get Out or even Kong. I told a lot of people to go see Kong. Shame on uh, you. <laughs> so so yeah, I agree. It's a it's a very uh, well-made movie that will probably be very easily forgotten. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, Daniel, Daniel anything else that you want to talk about uh, related to life before we go? Uh, Ryan Reynolds needs to do something different or <laughs> I will be forever off of his train. You're listening to The Screeners Podcast. All right, people. Well, thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of Life. As always, if you get a moment, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Screeners Podcast. You can send us an email to screenerscast at gmail.com. Or if you're so inclined, please visit us at iTunes, leave us a review, and subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a full episode of The Screeners as we review Ghost in the Shell. See you later. See ya. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.